Hello, just a quick bit before this week's episode to let you know that we have a Patreon you can subscribe to if you like what we're doing here and you want more of it. You probably already knew that. We don't stop going on about it. What you didn't know is that you can currently get a little free trial so you know exactly what you'd get as part of your subscription. You can head to patreon.com slash whatismusicpod or follow the link in the show notes to get your first seven days free. All you need to do is pick which tier you'd like a free trial of. The Biggest Mates tier is the one that has all the extras in it. And then for seven days, you are free to listen to any episode we've released in the last six months. You can cancel any time or just leave the subscription rolling if you like what you find. It's charged monthly. And during any month, as part of that Biggest Mates tier, you'll get ad-free episodes of this show every Monday. You'll get a brand new episode of our new Manic Street Preacher show every month. Two episodes every month of The Ultimate Playlist, our themed playlist show, where we talk about all kinds of different music, different artists, different genres, different eras, and one or two bonus episodes every month, depending on the length of the month. That's two episodes every week. There's also other tiers to trial. One that is just the Manic Show and ad-free What Is Music episodes, and another that is just ad-free What Is Music episodes. But hey, if the first seven days are free, why not try a bit of everything? Plus, all tiers include access to the exclusive subscriber-only Discord where we discuss the shows, the bands we've covered, various music topics, and loads of other stuff, including some games that the friendly community have devised themselves. So head on over to our Patreon page now to claim your free seven-day trial. Go to patreon.com slash whatismusicpod or follow the link in our show notes. See you there. Hello and welcome to What Is Music, a music podcast about music. We're a podcast that focuses on discographies in their entirety, doing deep dives on one artist at a time. You join us at the beginning of season six, which is called Are We Enjoying This? A critical analysis of the history, cultural impact and music of R.E.M. We're going through their entire career, album by album, track by track, asking questions like, does context matter when you're listening to music? Does knowing the history of an artist affect your appreciation of their output? And this season, we are, of course, asking, are we enjoying this? And to be clear, we're asking, are we enjoying this in regards to the band R.E.M., not are we enjoying this in regards to this, the sixth season of our podcast, which is called Are We Enjoying This? And which you may or may not be enjoying i'm adam scott glasspool i'm a big music nerd and i'm a big fan of rem with me as always are two of my very closest friends some some big mates if you will the first is someone who is not a huge music nerd is maybe the least knowledgeable of the three of us on music and i reckon knows very little of rem it is of course lucas way that is spot on. And we also have someone between those two places, quite knowledgeable about music, but easily confused and knows a bit about R.E.M. It's Steve Murphy. I am definitely here. Okay, good. well, that's good to know. Yeah. Because there's been some episodes where you've been here in form, but not spirit, I reckon. Is that huh? true? Yeah. <laughs> Maybe. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> Welcome back to the podcast, Steve and Lucas. Uh, welcome back to the podcast, returning listeners, uh, and just plain old welcome to our new listeners out there. If this is your first episode with us, you should know that we are trying to find an answer to the question, what is music? It's an important question, and we have appointed ourselves the duties of undertaking the initial investigations. Hmm. Uh, this involves doing deep, 
critical analysis on every piece of music made by every artist ever to make music. And you have joined us as we reach our season on REM, the American rock band with a three-decade career uh, in the unique position of having been voted for by our listeners. But we'll get to that at some point. Let's not get bogged down. Let's not get off on a tangent. Let's get down to brass tacks. If you're listening to this for the first time, or if you're listening to this for the second time, or if you're listening to this for the third time, or the fourth time, even the fifth time, you have maybe heard an REM podcast before. There's two particularly good ones, both fan-led, one more of like a comedy thing. We're a little bit different. Here's what's happening. Over the next however long it takes, we're going to be telling the story of REM We're going to do a deep dive analysis of every song on every album they've released in chronological order, track by track, album by album. We're going to look at how each album was written, recorded and released. We're going to take into account what the band wanted to do, their creative states at the time and the artistic decisions they made. We'll also take into account the wider context, the world each album was released into, what the musical landscape was like, what critics made of it, what fans made of it and whether or not those initial perceptions have changed over time. It will be quite in-depth. We have been known to take three weeks to discuss a single album. We will do some commentaries, some like audio commentaries for live gigs and films that the band have released. We will cover some B-sides towards the end. We will watch every music video that they've ever released in one sitting. Uh, we reckon that this will take about a year and a half of our lives, uh, and hopefully of your lives as well. There will also be a heavy dose of personal context here, especially from me, as R.E.M., may well be my favourite artist of all time. Uh, And here is potentially where we differ from other REM podcasts and maybe most other music podcasts. I am the only host that you could realistically and confidently call a fan of REM. As I mentioned earlier, Steve knows a bit. Uh, It would have been difficult to be very close friends with me for over 20 years and not know a bit about REM. Do you reckon that's fair, Steve? I think that's fair. I think that is absolutely where I've absorbed the most information about I, a band I think, from. I think all of your all of your REM knowledge is probably via me. In yeah, some and maybe one yeah, music yeah. video I once saw. That yeah, was, sure. And and by the and <laughs> when I say that, I don't mean the ones that you showed me on DVD. And we're like, look, but this one's really interesting because look what they're doing here. And I was trapped in your bedroom. Yeah, 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 absolutely. I mean, the locks are on the inside for a reason. Mm. Uh, and Lucas probably knows the least about REM, right? I think you probably know a handful of songs. I know a handful of the big hits, right, that everyone's heard. I'm pretty uh, sure you think that Bad Day is a big hit. No, I don't. That was the okay, joke. Right, okay, the joke, right. The joke off the joke I did off mic before we even started the recording of this episode. I know it's not a big hit. It's just one of those weird ones where I know it because it was on music channels on TV in a period yeah. when I was, you know, watching music you channels. On TV. You would have been fourteen, so that would have been yeah. ideal. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. So like yeah, no, my knowledge of them is very much I mean, obviously we've been talking we've been dancing around the prospect this season for a while. Oh yeah. Uh only when we started dancing around the prospect of the season did I discover that they're an American band. Okay, great. Wow. Okay, good. So that's a good... I just assumed they were British. <laughs> wow. Don't know why. That's great insight. So there you go, listeners. That means you, as a listener, you're going to get to experience not only like me, a fan, reevaluating and talking passionately on these albums that we all know, but you're going to hear people coming to them for the first time, discovering them, falling in love with them or maybe struggling with them like I or maybe you did the first time that you got into the band um 
But the three of us also have differences in the way that we listen to music, react to music, and use music as an everyday part of our lives. We have different levels of awareness and knowledge, which have also, I mean, they've kind of, like, to put our cards on the table, we've been doing this for four years now. Um, It's changed over time, uh, over the years of doing this podcast. If you look at the introductions that we we would give uh, at the beginning of the episodes of the last two seasons, maybe they're a little bit out of date. Uh, So by way of kind of introducing new listeners to us and updating regular listeners on, like, where we are now, we should maybe change them. Lucas, yours was someone who has said they do not care about art or talking about art and does not often relate personally to music. Now, those are things that you have said about yourself at one point or another on the podcast, but maybe feel that they're not true anymore. Yeah, I definitely feel like when I when we first started this podcast, I was the the normie. Oh, you were the fucking who, worst, mate. You were the such worst <laughs> idiot. When I started uh, this podcast, I was the worst. I was such an idiot. And I basically... Was, it was just about how much do I enjoy listening to the sounds of that song? Yes. I didn't give a shit about what artists were saying, context, the message they were giving, any of that. It was purely, do I like the sounds of these songs? If they don't, don't care. Worthless. You, not, not, not fussed. Whereas I've definitely over the years learned to appreciate that, even though, you know, I can still go, this album, not for me, really respect what it's doing. You know, we, last season, there was definitely some of that going on. I actually think... The intro for me would now be basically a tweak on the intro for Steve last season. Oh, mm. interesting. Which so, was? Well, it's someone who can appreciate context, art and subject matter, but it's just learning how to convey that in the form of words. I think that's not far off. So you, uh, you're I that think, one. Well, I think that. I'm basically, <laughs> le- I, think it's more that I've, I think it's more that I've been learning to appreciate context and subject matter. Mm. as opposed to I've only just learned how to articulate. I think I've been learning to appreciate that as opposed to before I didn't care about it at all. Okay. Uh, I think, I still think it's true. You know, the whole thing about art is definitely still much more true, right? We, we, we differ in that. I'm definitely much more, I use music much more for something that I enjoy listening to mm-hmm. as opposed to something I really get into, apart from for this podcast that I record <laughs> every week <laughs> and have done for four years where I really get into music more than most people ever do. Yeah. But that's my job, you know? Yeah, sure. This, this is our this job is my, now. This, this, is my, this is our job. Yeah, it's our know? job. So, yeah, I think for me, it's, it's something around the fact that I'm learning to appreciate context, art, and subject matter. Okay, interesting. Leave it with me. I'll, uh, I'll, we'll unveil it at the beginning of the next episode. Steve, we've, we, we've just said yours. Someone who can appreciate context, art, and subject matter is just learning how to convey that in the form of words. Uh, is it that last bit that no longer feels right? Because I feel like you've gotten better at conveying it in the, uh, well, in the form of words. Yeah, yeah. I- I've written something as if I was you. You ready? Great. <laughs> okay. I'm rubbish and I, uh, I'm so rubbish. That's that's you. But then I also mean, I've yeah, written something an intro for myself. <laughs> okay, cool. Uh, and I thought something along the lines of someone, in- someone who enjoys music fairly casually but is interested in branch- branching out but has honed his craft over the years on this podcast to put analysis into words and who has sometimes, in reviews, been described as just there. It's not, um, it's very long. It's not punchy. Yeah, it's not it's punchy, quite, is it? quite long. Fine, uh, okay. A lot of words. Cool, uh, cool guy. Okay, cool, okay. Right. Cool guy. We can't just have cool guy, Steve Murphy. You know what? I think we just leave it with Adam. I think Adam okay, probably knows. Fine, uh, fine well, okay. <laughs> Mine was, uh, I love the artistry, the emotion, and also the context that surrounds music. 
I mean, that's still true, same. isn't it? Really? Always yeah, I, mean, that's, yeah. <laughs> I often refer to myself as a big music nerd, which is just uh, a friendlier way of saying that, and uh, and also true. Uh, yeah. So, uh, all right, well, we'll figure it out. So, yeah. guys, this is this is our this is our fifth season of this podcast. We've, no, it's not. It's our sixth. This is our sixth season of this <laughs> podcast. We started. We started with. Hang on, is it? Yeah, yeah. Yep, we started yep. with Manic Street Preachers, then we continued with Muse, Billie Eilish, Radiohead, and Lauren Hill. But as you alluded to earlier, Lucas, but mere minutes ago, uh, it feels like REM has always been on the cards, right? We were always going to get to it at some point. Yeah, you've definitely talked about them. I mean, a lot of listeners have have assumed we would get to an REM season because it's kind. Of, I think it's not a secret to any of our our regular or historical listeners that your sort of holy trilogy is Radiohead Manics R.E.M. It's nice to round out the trilogy. Mm -hmm. It's nice to round out the trilogy. I think on the very first episode that we ever did of this podcast, when we were talking about our music tastes and we threw out some of our favourite bands, I probably would have said Manitry Preachers, Radiohead and R.E.M. Yeah. Um, I think I literally called them as your holy trinity. And now we've covered all three. Uh, What it will be like is at the end of the season, you know, in Return of the King, when the King of the Dead kind of uh, sighs and he can finally rest and he sort of evaporates into the ether. I imagine that's what what you're going to do. You'll never see me again when this season's done. Me and Steve will be fucked and we'll have to stop this podcast. No, we carry on, mate. It's just fucking terrible. Well, we have famously, famously said that the REM season would be the last season of this podcast, which, of course, we will. We are aiming to stick to um, no we're not i believe that i said they are, they are one of my favorite bands i said at the end of the radio season that radio had my favorite band of all time but we needed to kind of really do a deep dive on the other one to figure it out and here it is uh i rem are within a shout of being one of my favorite bands artists of all time are they are they also your favorite band guys <laughs> they're not my favorite band why why not well, we'll find out. They might be. Okay. Well, why are they, but that's why are they point. your favourite band? Why, oh. why do you love R-E-M? I, <laughs> I, I think that's a fair enough question. It is. I'm just terrible at talking about it because... Well, this um, is going to be a terrible season. It's a, what, yeah, a bad good. podcast. You probably po- get good at it, mate. Podcast. You haven't got long. We're recording it right now. Let, let me tell you what I like about the Manics. Um, yeah. The Manics have this kind of Wait, like what? tension between wanting to be like these big pop artists that make political statements, and they have like these overblown personalities and stuff, right? And let me tell you what I like about Radiohead, which is that they're, they're basically kind of like uh, like studio wizards, like people at like the top of their game. And if you had to ask me, like, what do you like about REM? I don't really know. Right. They don't have. They don't have a thing, really. And I think we're going to kind of explore that over this episode and we'll explore it over the course of the season as well. But I think I will have basically parceled this out to you over years and years and years, Steve. Like, you know why I like R.E.M. because we've talked about them so much. Mm. And I think think it probably started in like... In like year seven of secondary school? Well, this is what I was going to ask next is when did you... Do you remember first hearing them? Yeah, man. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. So, so year seven in secondary school for our non-British listeners is it would make us what like eleven, 11 12, or yeah. twelve years old or something like that. Um, in fact, I vaguely remember you saying that you had, you had, you had, or you had heard the best of that had the faces on it. Is that true, Steve? That rings a bell. Uh, it's got like creepy faces on it. It's called the best of REM. Yes. Um, yeah. 
Yeah. Do you remember that? So. Is that bringing yeah, back yeah. a memory for you? Is this like a séance? <laughs> yeah, the way you said it though has made me a bit creeped out. <laughs> that's it, that's I've got this, yeah, I've got this memory that. of weird faces now. Yeah, that's an REM album, mate. That's mm. the 1991 best of from the IRS records, as you probably know. It covers up to 1987. My parents had it. Yeah. So we're we're, we're in a weird position where you're maybe more familiar with the earlier stuff than the later stuff. Uh, well, if you even it, know what constitutes the early and the late stuff, here, I suppose. Can I throw out the songs I know off the top of my head? That, oh yeah, absolutely. Losing my religion. Yeah, losing my religion. Yeah, absolutely. You Orange Crush. Uh, Great song. Yeah. Uh, what's the frequency, Kenneth? Yep. Uh, end of the world as uh, end of the world as we know it. Yep. And I feel fine. That's not the next one. <laughs> yeah. Uh, <laughs> uh, everybody hurts. Uh, yeah. Shiny happy people. Yeah. Man on the moon. Lovely. The one I love. Lovely. I know loads. Uh, imitation of life. Side wonder, side wonder sleeps tonight. Uh, yeah, lovely. If it's this many, I reckon we knock it on the head. <laughs> yeah, what's the one about, Steve, what's the one expert. about elephants up the stairs? Uh, the great, great Beyond. beyond. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And yeah, Bad yeah. Day, because you know Lucas mentioned it earlier. Uh, yeah, I think that's it. I know loads. I think mine's literally like Bad Day, Losing My Religion, Everybody Hurts, Shiny Happy People, Man on the Moon. Lucas, uh, that, no, come on. That list of songs, you would. I think if you heard the songs, you would definitely recognise them. If not, by maybe. Title. But this is what we're, maybe this is what we're going to learn. But I don't know. I just know that as a song I heard in the car in the nineties. You know? Yes, we all had the radio on in the nineties. We're all about thirty three, thirty four at this point. Uh, no, we're not. We're thirty four, thirty five, aren't we? Or whatever, uh, <laughs> or something. So no, like, Steve's not thirty four yet. Are you? Oh no, wow! Sure. Where we when uh, this comes out? Nineties and early two thousands. Yes, losing my religion. Everybody hurts. You must. You know, man on the moon. You know, I said man on the moon. You Adam, know what's I the frequency, Kenneth. You know what's the frequency. I don't know what the frequency, Kenneth. Kenneth. You do, and you know the sidewinder sleeps tonight because it's the one that goes. Come to Chadwick. Does that go? That one. <laughs> That's the lion sleeps tonight. Yeah, love. and yes, I do know. As soon as you made that sound just then, I do. I do yeah. know that song. Uh, Steve that and Lucas for this one. Night swimming. You know night swimming. Night you swimming do. you put on a, a playlist or something. Yeah, I mean, that's likely. That's probably, yeah. <laughs> Adam yeah, makes a lot enough. of playlists. Yeah, uh, We mentioned nine songs there, and uh, incidentally, four of them are from the same album, so good album. Oh, Christ, really? am I going to have this one album that's going to be like, oh, I know all the songs of this album, and then apart from that, no, nothing. That Maybe. brings me to what I wanted to say next, is that I've never listened to an R.E.M. album. Yes, you have. I know that you have. Have I? You listened to Automatic for the people. Um, I did. I yes. gave it a good go. Yeah, and it's a it's a good album, um, and I and I just want to try something here. We've had the one I love. We've had it's the end of the world as we know it. Uh, I'm just going to throw out some titles here, and, and either of you say yes or no. Radio okay. Free Europe, no, no. Talk about the passion, no. Uh, Mel Gibson directed it. South Central Rain, no, no. Fall on me. No. Fall on me, don't fall on me. You've got my. He's already doing REM jokes, which I quite like. Uh, yeah. Koyahoga? No. Absolutely not. Driver 8? New. Nope. Okay, so uh, those two lists. That first one we did kind of represents mid stage REM, I suppose. And the second one is early REM. Uh, yeah, Lucas, you will definitely know the hits that, um, that were played on the radio when you were growing up. But obviously, guys, I don't want to brag. And to mm-hmm. get back to Steve's question. I know a little bit more than that. Do you? Okay? Do you? I know a little yeah, bit more little about bit REM more, yeah. than oh, you that. do, don't you? Yeah, yeah. I've been listening to REM for all of my life. Um, <laughs> I mean, to, 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 to go back to your point a minute ago, Adam, about like, you don't, there's not a thing that you know is like the thing you love about REM. Mm. 
is there a chance that what we will learn is that it is just they're your special boys just good music you grew up with them you love them they're good music and you just kind of grew up with them and love them and that's kind of it that's kind of enough that there's not like a thing but it's just like they're your they're your guys i think there's something to that i think everybody always clings on to what uh are sometimes referred to as gateway bands uh the band that introduces you to music that is yeah, beyond yeah. the pop songs that are being played in the charts or whatever right that you're singing on the playground our second season was on muse that was you know i was sort of took the lead with that one uh that's kind of the case of me for that band. There was a lot that we criticised about that band in that season, myself included. I recognised many flaws in them, but ultimately still came to like came down to like special boys. Yeah, but they're my yeah. they're my yeah, special boys. Yeah, but it doesn't matter though. because yeah. they just they're omnipresent. Well, they're not. Um, they are mortal. They are mortal. I men. disagree. He's behind you right now. I've got a camera pointing at me, and I can actually see behind me. Steve, so that doesn't doesn't, doesn't actually really, really work. work. Doesn't really we're on work. Zoom, we're on aren't we? Zoom, so, aren't we? We deal yeah. with this on Zoom. I'm just trying to do a bit yeah. too. Sorry, Sponsored really. by Zoom. No, Any, uh, you know, uh, Zoom. Sign up today. Did you see that recently? Zoom, the company, have ordered everyone back to the office. Yeah, that's interesting. Irony. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, carry on. I, I genuinely, I genuinely, I was not being. Pithy. I genuinely have been listening to REM for all of my life, Pro- well, or like most of my life anyway, because Out of Time, the album, came out in 1991, uh, and my mum and dad had a copy of that that went on all the time. Now, I was born in 1989, so if they started, you know, if that was even just when they started listening to REM, that's when I started, you know. And then... But- but then you just said you kind of discovered them in year seven. Really. Correct. That's the first yes. time you kind of became conscious of them as yeah, a thing. Exactly. So when I was like 11 or 12 and I was just getting into music by way of uh, like radio shows that I liked. So like uh, it's it almost through osmosis due to like comedy radio DJs that I used to listen to because I was I'd like things that were funny. So I used to listen to Chris Moyles and... Um, Mark, Mark and Lard and, yeah. and stuff like that. And I used to record their shows um, and uh, one of them played Losing My Religion. And I had my, f- at the age of 11 or 12, I had my first conscious listen of Losing My Religion. And I remember the exact moment that it that it kind of clicked. Top bunk of a bunk bed, playing a cassette of a taped radio show on this like small black boombox that I had that I would always put next to my pillow at like a very low volume next to this uh, like flask of orange squash that I kind of stuffed between the mattress and the frame of the of the bunk bed uh it changed my life it was it was something about the the melody how catchy that song is there's such a unique sounding voice that's doing the singing uh and the kind of very mysterious nature of the lyrics really intrigued me you know it's a bit different to kind of like whatever pop music I was listening to at that time that is kind of very identifiably like, like Hit Me Baby One More Time or something was probably around, like I was around that age or like the early S Club 7 stuff was, I was probably from around that age. And they're very easy to cut onto what those songs are about and what they're aiming for. And here was Losing My Religion, a strange sounding song that I couldn't really get to the bottom of it and it just intrigued me. So I just listened to it again and again and again and again. I'd rewind the tape play it again rewind the tape play it again i asked my dad about them um because we were very much like a music sort of family and he dug out out of time which is the album that losing my religion is on um he dug out automatic for the people and he dug out that 1991 best of that uh, we just talked about 
Uh, I did not like Automatic for the People. Okay. I'll tell you that much. Uh, and it's now my favourite one. Right. Uh, so that might tell you something about the album. Um, and I just kind of devoured those. And also Imitation of Life came out as a single around the time. I remember spending my pocket money on a cassette of that Um but I wasn't really buying my own music. You know, I wasn't buying albums or whatever. I'd get a few singles. I know there was a, you know, Will Smith singles, obviously very big for me. Uh, Boys Own's Comic Relief charity single that they did with Mr. Bean was obviously a big... Uh, wow, that's a classic. That's an, all, that's an all-time classic. Yeah, that's an all-time tough. classic. It is, yeah. you got to have that on cassette, yeah. guys. What did Mr. Bean have to do with that song? Do you know what? I actually don't know if it was for Comic Relief, and I think it was the, uh, it was for the Bean movie. Um, I, think no, no, I don't is. mean to brag, but I I watched the Bean movie a lot as a child, wow. and I can tell you that song does not feature. It doesn't. I I well, I mean, you'd have to look it up. I think, and I'm not asking you to look it up now. I don't want to derail the episode. This 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 quickly in and do a big big tangent on uh, Bean, the ultimate disaster movie from 1998. But I, <laughs> I, I, just, <laughs> I just think it's worth looking into. It's worth looking into. We'll pick it up next episode. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so I wasn't really buying my own music, um, and I got the 2003 best of, the in-time best of R.E.M. for, like, Christmas 2003, and that really kicked everything off, sort of, in earnest. Just sort of, like, steadily got more and more into them, alongside Mannix, but but R.E.M. had that kind of head start and, and that sort of, like, foundation, because I genuinely have been listening to them since I was very, very young. Um, bought up all the albums, joined the fan club, saw them live a few times, loved them very much. Um, because they speak to me in ways that I'm going to try and explain over the course of the season. Um, the prospect of doing the deep dive on them is both kind of exciting and terrifying, I think. I get to talk about R.E.M., but also I have to talk about R.E.M. You know yeah. what I mean? <laughs> I, w- I was going to ask you next, actually, is are you intimidated by the season? Yeah, yeah, it's long, and I have already alluded to the fact that I don't really know how you're going to do what it. What it is yeah. like uh there's a very quantifiable and easy way to talk about mandatory preachers and radiohead and we and i think there is for muse as well and we found ways to talk about billy eilish and lauren hill that i thought were very interesting i don't have a handle on this one this one more than anything that we've covered is very close to just me and like Mm -hmm. Do you know what I mean? It's just yeah. much more. It feels much more personal than the other ones, and I didn't really have, I didn't really clock that until about a week ago, and I started listening to to REM as as we were wrapping up our Lauren Hill stuff. Um, yes, uh, it's. I, I also feel a bit of a pressure to do them some kind of justice. We're back to Adam is explaining why he thinks this band is great, <laughs> which is yeah. so. I hope I hope I get some of it across. But with the things. That we just talked about in mind, both of you, what do REM represent to you? Where do they fit in? What kind of band are they? So all of mine is almost entirely just based off of the little bits of information you've dropped in Mm -hmm. uh, over the course of doing this podcast, which means for me, really, all I kind of know and expect or or might wrongly know and expect, I might be wrong, uh, is kind of just a rock band kind of i gather they don't go off in a load of directions and do a load of weird stuff i'm sure there is ups and downs along the way but from what i gather very much genre rock band Mm. 
And what you've also said is they may be the pioneer of what you would call or would have called alternative rock. That little genre. You heard of it? So kind of the, tw- so kind of the change, kind of that migration from classic rock to what would then become called alternative rock, which now really kind of almost means nothing and is just yeah. rock. But- oh, do you guys listen to alternative rock? I mean, but it, co- it can cover so much. Adam. <laughs> I listen. I I listen to some alternative rock. Yeah. If you um put a song, I think, onto Spotify, or if you publish a song, I think the the first thing that it will just try and label you as the first genre you can click is alternative rock. Gonna blow your mind, Steve. It's because the drop down menu is alphabetical. It's alphabetical. I've just realised it <laughs> as I said it. <laughs> Wait. So that means ABBA isn't a isn't a. a a genre, not a genre not, unto not, itself. I mean, yeah. I mean, what what is alternative rock in today's? Like, if you just had to go, what's an example of his alternative rock in the music industry? Right? Okay, so I would say that it is rock music, but there's just something a little bit alternative about it. Yeah, yeah. It's the it's so, the alternate version of rock. Yeah. So is we keep using them as an example because they're an example of Foo a very Fighters. normal band. You're going to say Foo Fighters. Fighters? No. Alternative rock, or are they just one-word rock? Oh, I'd, I don't know. I don't know. You'd have to look up their Wikipedia page, I reckon. Because I'm, I'm going to guess what we will learn, or what you will teach us throughout <laughs> these series of seminars. Yes, thank uh, you, my children. Is that <laughs> what, was, but what came before this was... Because they're older than I think I think they are as well. Oh, we're back um, to this. What do you mean? Yeah. <laughs> they're older than I think they are. Right, um, okay. <laughs> they, I'm going to guess what we will learn and I'm ready to be wrong, is yep. that what came before this was a lot of what we would consider to be your classic rock. Yep. And then this sort of became the start of what then led to the likes of grunge. Radiohead when we get there, Mannix when we get there, all these bands, right? That then yep. ultimately then spawn off into a thousand different subgenres and all the rest of it. But that maybe these, maybe R.E.M. are, are an inflection point that, where things took a bit of a turn away from that I'm going to keep saying it. Classic rock. Yeah, and, and he is putting horns, up the horns and, and he is describing them. And I'm, doing the, and I'm doing the voice of the, you know, the man. The, the radio guy. The dad rock man. Um, I, yes. I mean, if, if you were going to pose the question to me, what do R.E.M. represent like to me in terms of like the musical landscape without beating around the bush too much, I think they're one of the most influential bands of all time. Yeah. Um, like you said, pioneered, popularised the genre, alternative rock, which we all listen to a fair amount uh, in terms of like size and stature and stuff like that. Where, where do you guys position REM like that? Steve, have you got like a good concept of where their kind of career was when it was still going? Yeah. Like the big, the biggest band of all time, right? Like, the, yeah. I, yeah. One of that, the, I, I think that's news to Lucas. That is baffling to me. Yeah. Really? I, I, I knew they're obviously a big mainstream rock band that I'm sure, you know, I would have assumed would have sold out, big arenas and maybe stadiums. Oh, like yeah. I knew they were a big rock band. I've never have even considered the prospect that they might have been like at any point the biggest the band biggest band on the planet in like certainly the early 90s. In in the early and the mid 90s. yeah, in the early and mid 90s it was them and U2 yeah. and they were the biggest bands on the planet. So they are U2 in size. Yes, absolutely. Because yeah, I am aware of the, I like I know in yeah. my in my in my bones that you two are enormous. Like that is common knowledge. I never have considered or realised that REM have ever been that size. REM, I mean, so so REM fans that are listening, 
don't fact check me on the first episode because I do a lot more research for the rest of the episodes that are coming. But off the top of my head, I think REM were a stadium band from 1988 to 2005. That's longer than we've been a stadium podcast. Mm. It is, isn't it? Yeah. yeah. We've yeah, only yeah. we've only been setting out stadiums since season four, which is only like, been a like a year solid, and a half. like 17 years of being a stadium band. And honestly, even in 2008, they played a few stadiums on their UK tour. I think the difference is when we started hearing about REM in the kind of popular culture, it's either references on old Simpsons episodes or the the mid to late 2000s songs do you know what i mean when we started to be aware of music properly they they were maybe on a different trajectory at that point we were never uh really into music when they were in their pomp their pomp their imperial thing the thing is Mm. right them becoming the biggest band in the world happens after their eighth album yeah that's Uh, oh wow so that is quite that is interesting because Pretty much every artist we've covered breaks have had a pretty pretty big break within within two maybe three albums. Actually, Manix it took four to get to like you know stratospheric number one thing. Um, that's still pretty quick. Eight is a like fucking that's the Muse season in length. Yeah, that's almost the Radiohead season in length. Yeah, yeah. The, the, how many albums have they got? Just uh, how many it'll albums? Come up, it'll come up later. It will come up later. Don't oh, worry. God. It's a question I've got for you. It's a question I've got for you. Um, we'll do a little Q and A later. It'll be fun. It'll be fun. Um, yes. So uh, they kind of they start popular. To be fair, they're not that obscure from their debut album, but they just get bigger and bigger and bigger and bigger um, as they start to represent something a bit more than just a rock band, a bit more than themselves, and they start to represent this idea of what alternative rock is. Um, It's an interesting journey. Um, They are kind of... They're still one of the best-selling music acts ever, like, worldwide. They're, like, the 94th highest-selling band of all time, I think, (laughs) which which we will get into at some point. And they are usually your favourite band's favourite band. That kind of thing, you know. Have you heard that expression? That's yeah, something yeah. you've said quite a few times in this podcast. Yeah. Is that they they might they're they're almost like the um, the Rosetta Stone potentially for a lot of the bands that we have actually covered. They came up a lot during our Radiohead season because yeah, without yeah. REM there is no Radiohead. There's no Nirvana without I mean, without REM. Radiohead. There's no Muse. <laughs> yep, and and there's no Pixies uh, without REM uh, as, as as well as Nirvana. And weirdly, and and I think I think Lucas is kind of he's talking around a point here that i think is very potent in the story of rem despite all of that biggest band in the world uh you know incredibly highly regarded when conversations about the greatest bands or the most popular bands or the most influential bands or really any conversation about music at all whenever they happen rem get get kind of forgotten don't they they don't get they're, they're not they're not brought into those conversations yeah, because I mean, well, not that I'm regularly involved in those conversations around the biggest bands ever, because I, you know, I, I'm not actually a writer for for a music magazine or anything like that. That's you know. surprising, isn't it? I know it is surprising. Um, it, yeah, just certainly as me being like representing maybe like the the everyman, let's say. Oh, God help us. Uh, Imagine then, yeah, Imagine. Like they've <laughs> the fact that that hasn't reached my sort of consciousness that they are that big. 
kind of go to show yeah oh are we gonna have the third season where we describe a band as the biggest cult band ever oh that's interesting i don't think you we've already we've already levied that point band. towards two bands saying they're the biggest cult band of all time i don't know lucas in the last season you were like i don't know how big lauren hill is i haven't heard of her the guy in my office hasn't heard of her so so <laughs> yeah maybe you're not the every man that we should be going to as a barometer um you you've you've heard rem if you had to pinpoint things that you like about them what would they be? I, it turns out I did have a go at this. Yeah? Okay. Yeah. Uh, shall I do my impression of R.E.M.? This is what I like about them. There you go. That's my impression of R.E.M. Now, Adam, um, did Steve just do anything close to an actual R.E.M. song? I, I is there like a song that he was using there and changing, or is that complete nonsense? I'm going to be honest, it sounded like, it sounded like most R.E.M. songs. <laughs> well, <laughs> you've done a good job then, Steve, well done. Uh, no, I like the, uh, the... The songs that I know and like are quite bright, and I don't want to use the word shiny because of reasons, Happy but people. it is that kind of production, the very rhythmic, strummed, guitar um but but it has got a twist of a bit weird and Mm. and obviously strange lyrics i'm just going off the top of my head with i'm pushing an elephant up the stairs i'm pushing up punchlines and over there that that sort of stuff i remember hearing that song going and laughing about it with my friends like isn't that weird why is he pushing an elephant up the stairs that's weird it is weird actually but um so it it's pop music yes it is to an extent, but with that edge, I mean, I'm I'm just describing alternative rock. You're describing edge, alternative rock. Yeah, I am yeah. describing, but um, and I'm describing it. Um, and the but, edge isn't in uh, REM. To be clear, that's you two. Yeah. Right. Okay. But yeah, it does have an edge of a, a bit strange and a bit. Um, I was going to say cool, but maybe they're not. I think they're very cool. Yeah. Have you seen the stripe? Michael Stripe. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Okay. yeah, there we go. He's done the, yeah. That's the Stripe's cool. So Across the so eyes, when he, when he paints his face. Yeah, I mean, that yeah, is cool. Um, from what I've heard, and bear in mind that is a lot less than Steve and certainly a lot less than Adam. Probably a bit less. really is those big hits. Quite simple. It's just like, wow, good fun pop rock songs. Yep. Like, and I, and I imagine that's what I'm going to hear a lot of this season. And I'm, and I'm here for it because... To go through like what we've done, Mannix, there was the bits where they were quite hard work, but also quite a lot of it was some good pop rock songs and I had a good time with it. Muse, obviously, I, it was a very different story. I kind of, you know, I, 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 was, I was hosting that season, for lack of a better word. Billy was a departure because, you know, pop. And then Radiohead took like a lot of work, right? There was a lot of, that was a lot of, that was a high effort season. They were yeah. a hard band. I mean, I love them hard band yeah lauren hill was on completely outside of my comfort zone i'm looking forward to just do you know what some good fun pop rock songs i bet there's gonna be loads of songs this season that i just go good song yeah yeah i reckon so good song are you not worried about which we've had a lot of there being some good pop rock songs in you or whatever and you just going ah, it's just another rock song and are you worried there's a whole season of that ahead of us there is potential that is a worry but i'm coming into optimistically of going lovely if you wanted to boil back Manics down to a really basic, you could just say rock band, mm-hmm. you know, and there's plenty there because of the minutiae that happens within it. Sure. Adam has worried me slightly and going, oh, there's a lot less minutiae in R.E.M. But we'll, we'll see. You we'll know, see. when I talk about Radiohead songs and I go, well, OK, well, here's what uh, 
emotional state of mind like Tom York was in and here's where he wrote it and here's how they represented that in the studio and here's the innovative way in which they released that and here's how that feeds into all the songs and I can pick this apart line by line and tell you where each one comes from and this came from a notebook he was writing in five years ago and actually this speaks to the degradation of uh, society at the hands of technology and that weaves its way into the album OK Computer one of the greatest albums of all time you know how I talk about Radiohead like that yeah yeah a lot of REM stuff is just going to be me going like, it's a good song, isn't it? It's That's great. nice, isn't it? <laughs> Did you it's like the song. nice track? I don't, I, I don't think it will be. I think Adam is is uh, is underestimating himself i mean i've already seen the i've already seen the books you've been buying i bought a couple of books what did i buy so my my main resource in terms of apart from the internet i've got perfect circle by tony fletcher and i've got uh it crawled from the south by marcus gray never read them before looking forward to getting stuck into them um i had a think about rem uh, and what i like about them and first of all their sound I just love their sound. It's melodic and it's upbeat, which is not typical of the kind of music that I have suggested we cover on the podcast so far. And you're and you're often a you you like music that is dark and impenetrable. Exactly. And well, don't get me wrong, there is a darkness and a sadness that lies underneath the upbeat core of REM. And I liken them to uh, to Bruce Springsteen in that way, in that it's kind of it's it's American rock music that that takes in folk. There's bits of country, there's bits of punk, there's bits of pop. And it's music that you could put on at a party, okay? You genuinely could put a lot of R.E.M. on at a party, especially early R.E.M. But it's also reactive to the world around it, and it's unafraid to get political in places or reflect a sadness and and a darkness. What I really like about it is that it's mysterious. Uh, That's very cool. Um, I think a lot of this season is going to be interpretive rather than didactic. Uh, And I also like the way that they operate. It's unlike a lot of bands, and a lot of subsequent bands decided to model themselves on REM, both in behaviour and in strategy, not just in in terms of like musical influence. Um, Most of all, Steve, I have to say, I think you hit something, uh, hit a nail right on the head there, which, as we've said before, is exactly where you want to hit the nail. Mm -hmm. Um, I like how fucking weird they are. It is, it's mad that they became the biggest band in the world because they're quite weird. They're not the weirdest band in the world, no. They're kind of a normal rock band, but they're quite weird as well. And I like that they basically do whatever the fuck they want for a long portion of their career. Um, are you guys aware of anything that you don't really like about the band or their music? Because I know that there are some people who just go, R.E.M., ah, no, boring. Not really. Um, it would be interesting to hear early R.E.M., um, mm. because I've not heard... Have I heard anything of their first album that I've mentioned? Probably not, right? I so, think the earliest thing you mentioned is from their, like, sixth album. Right, exactly. Album, so yeah. so I'm, there's nothing that, like, I know I dislike, because I like everything I've heard. Um, I, I put on, uh, when I knew we were going to do this, I put on This Is R.E.M., right? On, on yeah, Spotify. The, the Spotify playlist. When I was yeah, cooking. Yeah, sure. And I knew most of the words for at least the first top 10 tracks of that. Um, That's and I loved it. It was great. Um, yeah. So I'm really excited about the season because I, I love what I've heard. I am a bit uh, concerned there is stuff that might just be run of the mill or 
or well, maybe not from what you said, but the opposite of of what I believe to be great REM. There might be some sort of dirgy kind of darker stuff in there. We'll see, I guess. Uh, I mean, I I don't know enough to have anything that I would have a negative opinion on yet, right? That's interesting. That's good. Only thing That's I can, good. only thing I can think of: Michael Stipe, bald. Uh, I, I'm, <laughs> I'm scared because I'm because that that's my future and that, that upsets me. But look at look at how great he looks. though I mean, I have just googled Michael Stipe to just look at pictures of his face. Yeah, and uh, a good beard in some oh, later years. He's got oh yeah, yeah. Oh, now that's a hell of a beard. And yeah. I have just googled uh, when the going gets tough by Boyzone and Mr Bean wasn't involved. But Graham Norton, Joe Brand, Phil Jupiter, Mel Smith, Davina McCall, Harry Hill, Steve Con. Adam and Joe from the Adam and Joe. Okay, well now Google Boys Own Mr Bean because I want to know. I want to know what that oh, was. Yeah, okay, well you guys carry and on. Whilst, and whilst you do that, also good beard. Also yeah. some earlier pictures of Michael Stipe. Good lid of hair as well. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, at one point, this might be a tantalising, uh, a tantalising little factoid for you coming up. He invents his own haircut. So we'll, uh, yeah, mean? well, we'll talk about that at a later date, won't we? Um, I don't, in terms of like negativity towards the band, obviously I'm a big, big, big fan, love them very dearly. I don't have any fully formed thoughts around this and it will unfold as the season does. But I think, I think at some point they start to really care about album sales. Really? Okay. And as a result, as a result, their albums become a little bit less interesting. Right. Do they go, do they go a bit safe? They go a bit safe, but then they try and come back from being safe and go no we're gonna be a little bit edgier but it still comes across as quite safe it's it happens quite late though you're all good we've got loads of good stuff ahead of us um is there you might not want to tell me maybe you want to save it i don't know uh obviously when we do these seasons we go through every album 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 track by track we also do side projects solo projects spin-off works is there any of that this season hundreds Oh, really? The guitarist has started so many bands. Right. And they all sound like R.E.M. Right. The big reason that we did it for Mannix and uh, the big reason that we did it for Billy and the big reason that we did it for Radiohead is that all of those side projects and solo albums feed into that main discography in a way that I think is genuinely very interesting. Um, I don't see any huge benefit to doing the, you know, the fourth minus five album that Peter Buck plays on or whatever, because it's not going to tell us that ma- that much about REM. Yeah. Um, so I think we're just going to do, we're going to do mainline albums and that is kind of it. We're not going to get into the solo stuff really. So not even going to do like a little cursory episode per, per person's side project or something. Otherwise Lucas, little... we'll be here for years. Yeah, I mean, that, that is a risk, isn't it? And it if you were wondering, yeah. it's Picture of You by Boyzone, which was featured in Being the Ultimate Disaster movie, and he featured in the video and on the single cover art. Never would have got that Tune in, in next week years. for our commentary on <laughs> that Being the Ultimate Disaster oh, movie. That's going to be the <laughs> second episode of the season. Really want to bring in the new <laughs> listeners. Let's do a season two, season six commentary then of Being the Ultimate Disaster movie. a spin-off of where we talk about Whistler's mother. It's not a real piece of art, is it? Yes. Yeah. We oh, have oh, talked about our kind of personal feelings and our personal relationship to REM. But what about cold, hard facts? What do we know about REM? I am going to ask some basic questions, okay. very basic questions yep. to you, Steve and Lucas, and your answers will give me 
and the listeners of our podcast a good idea of your knowledge on the band. We'll stop to chat about them too. This is kind of like REM 101. Steve's limbering up there. Ready. I should say, as is tradition, I have used the people also ask feature on a yes. Google search for REM. Love so these feature. questions will be user-generated and therefore the questions will be what people really want to know. Okay, just ripping here this we idea go. off and wired on YouTube. There. How dare you? No, because that's autocomplete. This is the people also ask. It's very, very different. Sorry, they're very different. They're definitely not pulling from the exact same data. Very, very different. Here's the first question, as generated by Google. Why does REM happen? <laughs> it's talking about the sleep. It's rapid eye movement they're talking about, which is not what the band's named after. If I Don't spoil it for me, Steve. I don't want to know. Yeah. yeah, we don't need additional knowledge at this point, Steve. Oh, Look sorry for being too good. Teacher's little pet, isn't he? Little I swatty did. little Now I nerd. know that they're not <laughs> named after rapid eye movement. But uh, uh, why rapid eye movement happens is because... Uh, <laughs> it'll be an evolutionary thing uh, so that we're kind of aware... Fucking teacher's pet at it again, uh, Christ. predators. <laughs> well, uh, I don't know what you guys are talking about, but uh, the answer that I've got is REM occurs because the brain needs it. Uh, okay. No oh. idea if that's about the band or not. No idea. The band occurred because the brain needed it. Maybe. Okay. Is it good to wake up during REM? I reckon some of their songs, like sh- waking up to shiny happy people as your alarm would be a yeah. good way to start your day. So that's I think not that's a bad show. Fair. Yeah. Tell you what, though, you would get fucking sick of it, as do you get sick of any song you set as your alarm. You've got to be very careful with that because you can really ruin a song by setting it as your alarm. Does anyone else's partner set 20 alarms? I yeah, used to be I, that I guy. That. I I, yeah. I used to be a twenty alarm guy, and Hannah fucking hated me for it. And now I've uh, grown up. Yeah, no, I just I'm just going to resent her for it for a while until our relationship breaks down. Sounds good. Uh, I would say you shouldn't be sleeping during REM. Uh, and Google says that waking up during REM interrupts our flow of aggregating memory. So don't do it. Is is my advice to you? What is REM good for? Alternative Absolutely rock. nothing. Huh. Say it again. <laughs> oh. Well, I, I would say an upbeat, melodic kind of jangle rock uh, yeah. segues into a very interesting form of Americana and then a series of experiments. Uh, Google says REM is good for mood, memories, and learning. Right. Which is nice. Okay. Yeah. That's a nice... That's, I mean, they have a strong opinion of the band. That's good. That's us as well, isn't it? That's our whole brand. Mood, memories, yeah. and learning. Mm, yes. Yeah. Mm. Tag yourself. I'm learning. <laughs> <laughs> I think well, Steve is memories. Which, yeah. which means, Luke, is your mood. Thank <laughs> Steve is also mood, isn't he? Yeah, I guess. Yeah, yeah maybe. Yeah. When I'm mood. No, it's your, it's your learning. Steve is mood and memories, and I'm also here. Yeah. I was going to say, for Luke, you're definitely not memories. Let's put it that way. Yeah, that's true. Uh, what was R.E.M.'s biggest hit? Uh, losing My Religion. <laughs> losing My Religion, surely. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Losing My Religion is their highest charting single on the US Billboard charts. It reached number four. So, oh, like, so not necessarily like a hit band. Spoilers. You know? They've They're, never had a number one single. No, not in, not in America. I think right. they did in this country, maybe. Um, did R.E.M. break up? Yes. 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 Do you know when? 2011. Oh, very good. Will R.E.M. ever come back? Uh, maybe. No. There's been rumblings, hasn't there? No, there has... Absolutely never been any rumblings. Here's an edit point for you, Adam. No. 
Okay. There has never been any rumblings. No. Steve. Stipes. In a, we, everyone knows that in 2021, Michael Stipes said there are no plans to get back together. Everyone knows this. Everyone knows oh, yeah. this. Have you got Wikipedia open, Lucas? No, okay. but I did. Okay, right. <laughs> I did about five minutes ago. I've only got Mr. Bean stuff. <laughs> How many albums does R.E.M. have? Uh, 19. I, I, I honestly don't want to know. <laughs> <laughs> Steve, what did you say? 19. Uh, 15. Oh, I, was, I was really confident as well. How many did Manics have? 14. They have 14 now. They had 13 when we were doing them. Yeah, That's, o- that's, that, that's okay. All that's all right, isn't it? Can you name any? Let me go first because I'll struggle more yeah, than you. Yeah. Automatic for the people. Oh, yes. Idiot. The best of REM that came out in 1991. Yes. That'll do. Lovely. Steve, I've mentioned one more, but that's I fine. can add Monster to that. Yeah. Could you add Out of Time, maybe, the one I've mentioned today? No, I couldn't add that one, actually. You couldn't add that? I don't think I could, actually. Uh, Do you know anything about, like, particular albums, or do you have any favourites, or anything like that? My favourite is Automatic of the People, or whatever it's called. Yeah, you love it that much, you can't even get your words out, because you're just so excited. (laughs) (laughs) I know Automatic for the People lands in, Mm. like, best albums of all time, and stuff like that, as does Monster. Uh... You texted me to say it was a great album, uh, Automatic for the People, so uh, I will be holding you to that. Um, Monster absolutely does not appear in really? great albums. Really? Why, of is, all that times, my, like, why is that ever. in my brain? I don't, think, I don't think anyone's ever even suggested it. Uh, and I don't why mind that, Monster, mm. but. Monster you know. might be the best album ever. <laughs> so someone has just suggested it. Okay, good. We've got a professional music critic yeah. going on the record to say Monster might be the best album ever. Um, what kind of music do REM make? What do they sound like to you? What's what's your impression of them? Kind of alternative, kind of jangle rock. Mm-hmm. They kind of maybe goes a little bit into Americana. Yeah, lovely. Uh, yeah. And kind of takes some weirder turns in the later career. Sort of experiments, isn't it? Yeah. Here's, here's a quote for you, and I'm, I'm interested to see how many of the bands that they name check that you actually know. Um, REM drew on influences as varied as The Birds, The Velvet Underground, Big Star, Patti Smith, The Rolling Stones, and The New York Dolls to regale fans with albums fashioned from unpredictable blends of non-metal rock and impressionistic folk. Found that quote online. I quite liked it. Yeah, it's quite nice. I've heard it? of most of those bands. It's weird to Lovely. say The Rolling Stones. Also, also, the fact that sounds weird. The fact that the fact that they describe them as as non metal rock is kind of telling almost of what rock music looked like. I imagine maybe in a pre REM world. Yeah. Interesting. Yes. Yeah, 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 which yeah. is that maybe it's split into your your what we would call dad rock, but mm-hmm. today would be granddad rock, classic yeah. rock, and your prop and metal. Metal. And that was kind indeed. of what rock meant, right? On their Wikipedia page, they're described as alternative rock, college rock, folk rock, jangle pop, and post punk. Um, their guitarist. The, the guitarist of R.E.M., uh, Guitar E.M., described them as... <laughs> yeah, like that. Minor key, mid-tempo, enigmatic, semi-folk rock balladish things. That's what everyone thinks, and to a certain degree, that's true. Mm. Don't like the bit where he said minor key, because, you know, I prefer, I prefer the major key. Do you? Personally. Do you? I, th- I don't think we've yes. ever covered a single song that's in a major key. I think it's all been surely not true. miserable stuff. So bollocks! What a thing to say of all the fucking albums. Just don't think we have no songs. All right, next question, guys. When were REM? I've given you the upper limit on this, or or rather, Lucas has. 
1988. No, that's when they were uh, 1980 something to 2011. I said 88, but I think that that is when they were at their height. That's when they were stadium. That's when they were a stadium band. You said so. 84, 83, 1980, bang on 2011. Although the story starts in the late 70s, um, which is the earliest we've ever gone. Do you guys approach older music differently? See, this, this, I think it's quite interesting actually now because I think that is just they're just of a crest there where I don't think they're old music. Do you know what I mean? They are. Yeah, it's the eight, and that's probably what we're, and, it, and we talked about this. It's a fulcrum. They, they obviously represent a bit of a fulcrum point that I think of them obviously as an older band, but not an old band. The same way if you said the Rolling Stones or if you said David Bowie or. Somebody else ran out of artists. Ran, yeah, out, ran of out of artists. artists. Uh, <laughs> the Who, you know, I go like, well, that's really? an old band. Whereas I think of them almost as like a a medium band, you know, okay. the medium. And then old. there's new bands that obviously you know started in 2004, and that's new to me. So you don't really approach it any sort of any any differently to to new music. I I don't I don't think so. Well, I mean, I will because that's what we do on this podcast, and yeah. that's that's the whole point. But I think if you just went, if prior to this podcast, you'd just gone, Lucas, listen to this album, check, check it on, it's R.E.M. I'd go, all right, and I'd stick it on. And I wouldn't really think of it as like old music. But then that's also probably because I didn't realise how old they were. I probably would have thought they were like a contemporary of Oasis. I mean, they were at one point, but R.E.M. were about halfway through their career. <laughs> and Oasis were brand new and still shit. Um <laughs> I just I was just thinking because obviously the Radiohead season had a bunch of discussions that were like, sure it sounds regular now, but remember this was nineteen ninety seven or two thousand, and I think we said something about rock bands not sounding a certain way or something like that. And I think there will have to be a level of understanding and appreciation for the fact that some of the music we're going to hear in this season is forty years old. Yeah, that's, that's yeah, that's mad. That's the fact we've gone mad. back, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. This is the first time we've done a full season on an artist that started yeah. pre nineteen, like early nineties, basically, isn't it? I know Mannix and Radiohead started in like mid eighties, but they didn't release anything to the nineties. And I might struggle there because even though I'm aware of these older bands, I'm very bad at placing times on a lot of this older stuff. And so the sort of not notion of like what was directly preceding them or what were their contemporaries, I will I think I'll struggle a lot with knowing what that is. That's what I'm here for. I'm going to illustrate these points to you as we go. Don't worry about it. We're going to be putting all of the ARIA music into the context of the time and the context of listening to it now. That's very much our bailiwick. I'll, uh, I'll help you out there, Lucas. 70s, <laughs> disco. 80s, yeah, synth but, pop. 90s, yeah, I know that, that, Brit pop. I know, and that's, but that's the lazy... That, 2000, that's the, lazy... the Black Eyed Peas. Yeah, there you go, done. And <laughs> I've done it. That for is you. the that, that is the lazy generalization. No. Oh yeah, seventies. So the stuff that preceded no, Bowie was disco, disco, disco. <laughs> mm-hmm. But there's obviously rock music in the seventies, and don't so, think uh, so. But I don't know no, I don't what are the was. rock bands of the seventies. I don't really know. The sixties, Bee Gees. Kind of, everyone knows about the sixties. Everyone knows. Casey and the Sunshine Band. Yeah, those kind of rock bands. Cooler the Gang. Yeah. A corner of the gang, 70s? Yeah. See, there's what I mean, mate. I'm, uh, I'm saying I'm not a knowledgeable man. <laughs> Don't worry. We will get to it. We will get into it. We're going to get into all of the context that surrounds their music. Um, where are REM from? Where are REM from? Atlanta. Uh, Orange County because of Orange Crush. 
that. So you're saying California, Steve. Lucas, you're saying Atlanta, which is in Georgia. I made. I pulled that out of my ass. It's Athens in Georgia. So you were oh, very close. Like, very, very good. Very, very close. Good. So therefore, and Ath- Athens is like an old, ancient. That's city. the word in Greece. And Atlanta sounds like Atlantis, <laughs> okay. which is an old. But they're not from Atlanta. City. Anyway, um, <laughs> no, it's a fake city. Uh, <laughs> Athens, Georgia, USA, which is obviously that is what's known as the Deep South. Mm. or the Bible Belt uh, of America. And in their music, you can hear bits of, like, Southern Gothic that creeps in, in particular on one album. Do you guys know uh, much about Southern Gothic? you know what Southern Gothic is? Uh, you just think of the artwork, right? American... What's it called? American Gothic? Yeah, with the farmers. Yeah. That's what I just thought of when you said those words. Makes sense. It shares a word with it. Yeah, yeah. that's yeah. fair. Steve, I imagine you being into Southern Gothic kind of stuff. I've never heard that. I've never heard those words together. You need to tell me what that is. Really? So it's art that kind of hinges on the themes that are presented. And this is going to sound trite, but I will expand. Uh, hinges on the themes presented by the Gothic elements of the American South. Okay, which is mostly storytelling around like deeply flawed, disturbing or eccentric characters, lots of decayed or derelict settings and like quite sinister events. So like obviously the deep south was heavily dependent on slavery at one point. So there's darkness that exists in that whole area, you know, dilapidated plantation houses, thick forests, humid heat. That's where REM are from. That's where a lot of their early songs kind of kind of live. Um, you should uh, you should look up the, uh, some Southern Gothic art and some Southern Gothic writing, and I'll put some on the socials this week as well for people to go over and, and have a look. If you follow us on What Is Music Pod on Twitter or whatever Twitter is called these days, um, and Instagram, you'll see some. I'll, I'll post some Southern Gothic stuff. Um, oh, just googling picture, just googling Southern Gothic and go Gothic, Gothic, Shaven googling Gothic. Southern Gothic oh, and looking at images like immediately such a vibe. Oh, it's such a vibe. Yeah, absolutely. Um, here's the next question, and I'm, we'll, we'll take a little pause, okay? Here's the question, and then I'm going to say something about it. Who is REM? Okay, so before you properly answer, I want to say this. REM are, I think, a band that are more than the sum of their parts to the point where you almost need each member unlocking individually to understand what it is that they're bringing to the table and in turn what it is that makes the band so special um if you were to compare them to previous artists we've done i'd say that muse are less than a sum of their parts because they are incredible musicians incredibly talented musicians making mediocre music radiohead incredible musicians making incredible music they're just the sum of their parts right that's just that that makes I, sense you know i disagree there actually i think what we discovered on the radiohead season was that everyone nah, i guess that kind of makes them some of their parts like that they what we really did learn that that was not the tom york johnny greenwood show right we really did learn to appreciate what they all brought to the table yeah so some of their parts absolutely the members yeah. of rem you know they aren't classically trained they aren't technical wizards but when they're together, they complement each other so well that it all just like elevates in some way. It all just mm-hmm. clicks. And I'm it's being just like this podcast. Exactly. I'm being genuine on this. Um, I think you should note down what each member really brings to the table so that you have it for when you're listening, because it will come up a lot. Um 
We'll stop and talk about each one. Who is in REM, guys? Michael Stipe. Michael Stipe. Michael Stipe. Vocals and lyrics. Um, he is like... That's it? That's it. Doesn't play guitar. Doesn't play, doesn't play a single instrument for the whole thing. Lazy. He is a poet. His way with words is incredible, I think. And he's not bothered. He's not bothered about making any kind of tangible sense, guys. <laughs> it's not going to be a lot of like, oh, yeah, I know what that means. Instead, he makes what I call emotional sense. Do you know what I mean? Uh, you don't understand the, the lyrics so much as you feel them. Um, a bit like Tenet, I suppose. If you wanted, <laughs> just thinking about it. Where, where yeah. have you pulled that absolutely out of the <laughs> there's bottom a of line, your arsehole? There's a line in Christopher Nolan's Tenet where they're explaining the time travel and the scientist goes, don't try to understand it, just feel it. Yeah? That's what Michael Stipe's lyrics are all about, I reckon. That is the second time in two days that film has come up in my life, and that is not a film people talk about very <laughs> yeah, often. It's not really, is it? Um, Michael Stipe's phrases like river poet search naivete don't mean anything in any kind of tangible way, but you can really feel something from that when he's performing them. Uh, all those stars drip down like butter and promises are sweet. Doesn't really mean anything. Bank the quarry river swim. <laughs> Not sure. Or fr- from a more famous song that we've already talked about, Losing My Religion, the lengths that I will go to and the distance in your eyes. He's, he's not really speaking on a subject. He's just emoting. He's giving this very vivid imagery. And I can see a lot of his lyrics much more easily than I can interpret them. Mm-hmm. Do you know what I mean? You're just saying they, like, they put like a, just a vague image in your head, but that image is a vibe. Exactly. I will say that one of the reasons for that is that sometimes you cannot hear them. Uh, oh, no. Deliberately. Well, actually, yeah, deliberately. You will see. Um, even if you can hear them, or you find out what they are, they are quite oblique. They're quite mysterious. They're completely open for interpretation. So this season might be a little bit different, just because there'll be less of the thing that we usually do, which is take a song and point to the subject matter that it's about, uh, or discern what the influence is or the story that it's telling. It's going to be much more about our different interpretations of these songs, I reckon, if you have one at all. That would be interesting to see from my perspective, because famously, I am not the lyrics guy. No. Uh, I've I've been described by me as... Uh, <laughs> as being like deaf to lyrics sometimes that I genuinely won't example uh we recently on one of our other shows covered a song that was sang entirely in Welsh and I didn't realize that until I looked up the lyrics <laughs> because because it was just sound it was just an instrument to me it yeah was just like you know what I mean and that is and Adam you even said like this is Steve this is what it's like to listen to music as Lucas yeah yeah um and I have to try to get into lyrics on when we, when we do this, right? Because it's not my, my default mode. So I'm interested to see how that works for me. If I struggle with that, or if the lyrics that I do pick up on that kind of just filter through are enough to paint a bit of a vibe picture in my head, and that's kind of enough, you know? Maybe, maybe. Or whether I'll have to really read them, and I'll read them and go, this is impenetrable bollocks, I don't know what this is about. Well, it's interesting. That indecipherability is, uh, or, or that kind of using the voice as just another instrument, that is how Michael Stipe and the rest of the band want it, I think. They are remarkable for not printing their lyrics, which was not really the done thing when they started. Albums would come with the lyrics printed on the artwork or in the, or in the, the gatefold, and you could sit down while listening and like read along. 
even later in the age of CD, lyrics would be printed in the little booklet. It was weird that REM didn't do that. So people had their own interpretations, not just of what the lyrics meant, but what the lyrics were. Um, <laughs> I love that. So with that in mind, what should we do? Because we do like to be somewhat guided by artistic intention on this podcast. So there's an argument for not being able to read the lyrics until they let you. Right. We have yet to cover an album where the lyrics aren't printed in a booklet somewhere or made available you know, through an artist's website. This is the first time. I might not. I might not read the lyrics. I, I, I'll know some of them from previous times that I've looked them up or whatever. Um, but I can discern lyrics as well, and I might discern the wrong lyrics. I think that might be tricky for you, Lucas, who just does not, cannot discern lyrics at all. I might, I might have to because I, cause I yeah. just struggle. We've discussed it. I don't know why. Maybe it's an ADHD thing. I don't know. But I struggle to get... They don't really enter my brain in that mm-hmm. sort of... In yeah. that detailed way. They come into my brain as sound. So here's my pitch. I'm not going to look at the lyrics until until they were printed in an REM album, which I think for the, happens for the first time in 1998. Okay. Um, but you guys should. Uh, it might be interesting to hear what I'm getting wrong, actually. Okay. Uh, and to see how much of my interpretation of songs hinges on a lyric I didn't understand 10 years ago. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> what do you think about that? Is that a good idea or is that a bad idea? I like it. Everything you've ever said is a good idea, Adam. Um... That's true, actually, yeah. On today's episode, I'd like to talk to you about... Buzzsprout, the user-friendly podcast hosting for non-techie people. I think that if this podcast has achieved anything, it's showing that literally anybody can start a podcast. Do you need any previous experience? No. Do you need top-of-the-range audio equipment? No. Do you need entertaining or insightful content? Absolutely not. But there is one thing that you will need, and that's podcast hosting or somewhere to store your podcast and deliver them to all of those podcast places, like the one where you're listening to this now. So if you're thinking about starting a podcast, just do it. We here at Big Mates Enterprises use Buzzsprout to host and publish our podcast because it's the best and easiest way to launch, promote, and track your podcast. Your show can be online and listed on all the major podcast directories within minutes of finishing your recording. That's Apple Podcast, Spotify, Google Podcasts, Overcast, Castbox, Pocket Cast, Podbean, Podcast Addict. The list goes on and on. The other thing we've found is that not only do you get useful and easy to understand statistics about how well your podcast is doing, but also that the support team is super helpful with somebody always on hand to answer questions and help our podcast succeed. Join over 100,000 podcasters already using Buzzsprout to get their message to the world, and you'll get a great-looking podcast website, audio players that you can drop into other websites, detailed analytics to see how people are listening, tools to promote your podcasts, and much, much more. But wait, because the more is now! (laughs) Because if you follow the link in our show notes when you sign up, it lets Buzzsprout know that we sent you, and do you know what that gets you? $20 worth of credit when you sign up for a paid plan and that warm feeling in your stomach knowing that not only are you on your way to podcast greatness but that you've helped support this show too. So if you're starting your podcast or you're looking to move your podcast use Buzzsprout and follow our link in the show notes. Back to the episode. Name some more members of REM although I think you might struggle. Tom. Nope. (laughs) (laughs) You've mentioned uh, Peter Buck. Peter 
Buck. Yes, he plays the guitar. Oh, the guitar. Okay. I don't even know how many people are in this band. <laughs> That's it, by the way. He doesn't play the piano. He doesn't play a glockenspiel. He doesn't play an experimental keyboard from the 1800s. He plays a guitar. And also sometimes the banjo and mandolin, but mostly he plays mm, they're all, they're the guitar. They're all stringed instruments, aren't sort of they? Weirder guitars, 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 aren't they? And he plays it very distinctively. You can tell a Peter Buck guitar part, and you can tell when people are ripping off a Peter Buck guitar part as well. We've heard a number of people do it over the course of this uh, podcast. He most often plays arpeggios, which are single notes of a chord played in a sequence, and it gives REM their jangle pop sound and he leaves a lot of open kind of ringing notes so you get these interesting frequencies that mingle and coexist and you'll hear it immediately you can probably bring some to mind and he loves a riff he loves a riff as well that's very interesting when you're saying arpeggios because i can i can imagine an rem riff i tried to do one earlier as an impression of them and it ended up sounding like i was doing a banjo diddling ding 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 yeah if you think he does some riffs it's mostly like arpeggios there's some strum stuff and later on it kind of gives way there's less guitar and there's a bit more sort of other stuff going on um peter buck is also quite gruff He's very no-nonsense. He's potentially the least whimsical member of R.E.M. Um, I mean, I, I'm looking at pictures of him as we speak, and he, he does look like a bit of like a... He looks moody, doesn't he? Yeah. Looks a bit of a moody, moody man. Yeah, yeah. yeah. He, there's a quote from Bono that kind of illustrates his character. Um, when Peter plays guitar, there's a strong sense of fuck off that comes from his side of the stage. And you feel that he wants to be in a band because he likes what they do, but that's all. And it's almost like performing and having to deal with all of that is a bit of a compromise for him. So just fuck off. And I like that energy a little bit, and that gives them their aggression. Um, So that idea that Peter Bucknut plays music because he wants to and for no other reason is great. He's always had a light disdain for the music business. Um, At the moment, half of R.E.M., play in a baseball-themed band that only writes songs about baseball because that's a fun thing to do. Right. Um, they're on tour. They're on tour right now. Uh, yeah. Peter Buck is one of those two people. And the other Are they is, called the Home Runs? They're called the Baseball Project. That's um, so <laughs> shit. <laughs> the other, the other is, one. The other one on. is a, a guy with like long... Uh, uh, I, I, he's got glasses. Yeah, Mike Mills. I imagine bassist. Yes, bassist. Mike Mills plays the bass, the piano, and backing vocals. He's a bit of a multi-instrumentalist, and he's the most, like, well-trained musician in R.E.M. His bass lines are just magic. He, He plays melodic bass. He kind of often kind of imitates how a piano delivers its its bass parts, and he has... Very little interest in that thing that basically where they lock in with the drum kit and give like root notes. Some of the greatest melodies in R.E.M. songs are the bass parts. So honestly, really pay attention to his bass work because it's really interesting. And he also plays piano and he composes songs a bit more traditionally than the other members. He is kind of the main composer of songs like Night Swimming, At My Most Beautiful, Find the River, What's the Frequency, Kenneth. Uh, Although I say he's the main composer. All songs I know. I say he's the main composer. It's important to know all REM songs are credited to all four of the members. Right. All decisions that are made in the band have to be unanimous. It's a complete democracy. Everybody has, like, everybody needs to agree on things. Uh, Mike Mills. A complete democracy mean that if three people outvote one, then they win. Yeah, but they, like, they don't do it. They don't do something if one person is unhappy with it. Wow. Yeah. Um, 
Mike Mills, he also provides backing vocals quite extensively. And you know what that means, Steve? Harmonies. Oh, my God. What is it you like about harmonies? The sound of them. Lovely. <laughs> Yeah. Also also attempting to do them at any moment. I love it. Lucas hates it. To the point now where I This is this is <laughs> this is what a sort of a shit friend I am. I've I've realized something he doesn't like and I want to do it more. Yeah, just continually do it. Yeah. Yeah. Lovely. I'd enjoy it more if you did them, you know, like well like accurately. properly. Yeah, sort of yeah. Like accurately and well, yeah. I saw a video recently of someone going, This is the baseline to Orange Crush. Mm. Uh, and you're right it is insane like it's crazy they are notes yeah. you do not expect to be where they are they are absolutely not root notes and he's going up and down the the neckboard and and that's the song that you just you would just say that's ah, a rock song right yeah exactly uh, do you know what else he does crazy. a lot of he, he does quite a bit of a bit of cording on bass which is quite oh, nice. yeah he plays chords on the mm. bass yeah it's great guys we've got a singer we've got a guitarist we've got a bassist what do we need to complete our band uh, drummer, we need a drummer. We need drums. I reckon it's like something silly. I reckon like they've got a robot as a drummer or something. No, yeah, this, is the, this is like indeed a, the... like an eighties robot, you know, like a really shit eighties robot, and he doesn't all, get upgraded. All he can do is the fourth, the fourth and final member of REM, Bill Berry, uh, on the drums. Um, potentially the most Bill underrated. Bill Berry. Oh, potentially the most underrated member of REM. Uh, his drum style has been referred to as economical. In the pocket, I've heard him described which, as. Which maybe also means simple when he's talking about economical. But it's, but it's the same argument that you get with like Meg White and Ringo Starr. Mm-hmm. Are they the flashiest drummers? No. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Do they need to be? No. Do they give the, each song exactly what it needs? Yes, absolutely. Um, Bill Berry just knows exactly what to give each song. And I think that's because just like every member of R.E.M., he's much more involved in composition than you might think. He wrote the music for Everybody Hurts, for instance. So that's not a bad day at the office for a drummer. Um, he's had input on lyrics as well. So it's all part of that kind of compositional brain rather than what's the coolest or most complex drum part I can put here. And yeah. in 2019, he was quoted as saying that he never really enjoyed being a drummer. He said, it's, it's just not the most musical instrument. I've never written a song on a set of drums, which is probably right. a good point. Um, yeah. Maybe that gives some indication of where his brain is at in, ter- in terms of contributing to the writing and recording of a song. Um, Peter Buck said about him recently, um, there's no drummer like Bill Berry on earth, none. I have a lot of drummer friends and they all ask me the same thing. What's his secret? And I can't tell you because I don't know. My theory is that he uses the space between the hi-hats and the snare drum in a kind of disky, disco-y way without being too disco. Now, I don't know what that means. No, I don't know. I mean, no, okay. Mean. And Steve, you're a drummer. Um, yeah. Like other drummers have said that his drum parts are not as straightforward as they first appear. So we're going to be relying on you, Steve, to... Uh, to, to point those out going forward. Thanks. I don't think Time Talk will make a return, but some kind of drum segment will be necessary, I think. I inadvertently sort of used Bill Berry as an um, influence for some of our music that we made together, Adam. Oh, yeah. Uh, because one or two songs sort of sounded a bit like R.E.M. Yeah. Um, but I was the sort of drummer that I wasn't a flashy drummer because I couldn't be because I wasn't that good. Lovely. But I preferred to serve what the song needed because that's better i had a i still have a friend who is a drummer who was the total opposite of me um he was a in a punk band and he was like i want my drums to be the loudest thing on the record and i want to do as many technical fills as i can physically do yeah because i think the drums should be up front and center 
And I was very much like the opposite of that. Um, so I'm quite excited about this season for the drumming. There is nobody in REM that is front and centre. Yeah. Which I think is really interesting, especially in their early stuff anyway, because the vocals are so mixed as like just another instrument. don't know what he's saying, that kind of thing. Right. Okay. Uh, last few Google-generated questions. How many records have REM sold? Sold? Ah. Across their whole career? 16 million. 15 albums, 30 years. 16 million. 16 million. 60 million. 60 million. I don't know what is I, I don't know what is a big or a small number. Lucas, okay, Lucas so, same, same. So I was just trying to gauge what Adam's reaction to yours was. But but he did the same reaction. I don't know what it takes for that. Like movies I know like number. I know what is yeah. considered a big and a small number. Albums couldn't give you anything. Well, well hold right. on. I'll try In and gauge case. his reaction of his face. One high. One hundred, one, one, one album. One album. They've sold one album. I'm sticking um, with 16 million. I reckon that's closer than 60. Million. I reckon that's closer than 60 million. Okay. Is. Okay. I, I think there's a good way to do this, which is to focus on the artists that we've covered. Okay. Let's start at the absolute bottom. Manic Street Preachers across their whole career have sold 10 million albums. Yeah. Okay. I'm feeling right with 16. You're feeling all right with 16. Yeah. Muse. Can you remember what Muse sold? Remember? That implies I ever knew. Yeah, we talked about it at one point. It's about 30 million albums. Three wow, they're a lot more successful albums. than Manix, aren't they? Yeah. They are, yeah. They're about three times as successful, if you want to work Okay, that means like REM that. is more than 16 because Muse are 30. So Radiohead. Yeah. Do you remember, we did talk about this oh, 42. briefly. 42. I switch off. Oh, he's going 42. Yeah, that's fair. It's it's actually more or less the same as Muse. About 30 million. <laughs> Suckers. More, al- <laughs> yeah. more albums as well, idiots. <laughs> actually, no, it's not. It's the same it's now. It's not anymore. Yeah, it's not anymore. <laughs> um, okay, what about Lauren Hill then? I think that's the next one up. <sighs> like 14. Okay, do, do you see what we're doing in terms of next one up though? Oh, but is it going up? Because uh, so yeah. far it's also chronological. Forty. Oh, it is actually, isn't it? Yeah. <laughs> oh yeah. We didn't do Billy. Yeah, forty. Oh, yeah. yeah, that's right. Forty million, uh, roughly, for Lauren Hill, but that includes the Fugees. Uh, yeah, yeah. Um, and uh, oh yeah, okay. So Billy, let's do Billy Eilish. Forty. Oh mate, it's, well, it's no. It's, it's, how do you even in today's world? I don't even know how you count that. So it, it could be like a hundred thousand. Yeah. <laughs> like I don't it, know. It's tricky. It's it's officially about fifty million. But what uh, in what like how do they do uh, that? Because a certain number of downloads equal and streams equal a, yeah. a sale or whatever. Blah yeah. blah blah blah. And blah. But officially, it's it's fifty million records. I'd love sold. I'd love to know the algorithm that makes that number because does if someone has bad guy on repeat, does that count? Do you know what I mean? As like record um, sales. I think a, th- a thousand streams of a song from an album is one album sale. That's not bad, to be fair. Yeah, I think that works does, out. Do, do, yeah. Spot- it turns out the experts know what they're doing. Does, nah. one spo- does, one, <laughs> does Spotify recognise like one continuous listen to a whole album and goes, that counts as one? No, because I guess it's not, an, it's, not in, it's not equal to buying the album, is it? Just listening to it once on a streaming service. 80 not, million. No. But what that does mean is a thousand streams of, of, of a song <laughs> off an album. Who are you for? Are you just saying numbers? Of a song huh? off an album. <laughs> Making that a thousand, that definitely means like, it's obviously massively bulk, bulked up by the big singles. 
that get yeah, yeah, a trillion listens. But I tell you what, mate, so were album sales back in the 90s. If you had a hit single, people went out and bought the album. But at least they bought the album like they didn't buy the single. They had the opportunity to buy the single. They bought the album. They could have bought the single if they wanted to, Steve. Yeah. There was nobody stopping And them. we all did. We, all, we, all, bought, we, we did. all bought singles. We're going to talk about it later today on an episode that we're recording tonight that we're gonna, you're going to hear in like, I don't know. A year? Something. something. <laughs> yeah, something One something day. Like One day. Right. So Billie Eilish, about 50 million. What do you reckon for REM? Then? 75. 66. 66 and 75. It's it's closer to 100 million. It Fine. is about, I think it's about between 90 and 95 million records. Remember they're when I said 16? I know. They are one of the best-selling artists of all time. In fact, there are only 95 artists in the history of music that have sold more records than R.E.M. Who's number one? Beatles? Uh, yeah, I think so. Makes sense. That's something discussing like 500 million. Yeah, I mean, it makes sense. Yeah, and and then obviously Elvis is up there as mm. well, you know. Who? But but they are <laughs> Costello? the ninety. Yes. Yeah, Costello. They are the ninety sixth best selling artist of all time. Does that surprise you? No. Um, that doesn't make for a good discussion, does it? <laughs> yeah, it kind of doesn't surprise me because ninety six isn't is. You know what I mean? Like, if it was like the twelfth, I'd be like, fuck me. But ninety six. That, None of the other artists we've just mentioned are in. Oh, of course the, not. No, of course not. Top one hundred. But ninety six yeah. is still like, yeah, that's fine. I get that. I I know knowing their their or at least from you telling us about their standing in the in the history of music that ninety sixth best selling doesn't feel outrageous. If you told me they were the fifteenth, I would have been like, fuck me, have I really like underestimated REM? I mean, you did say sixteen million, and I, it's yeah, closer to a hundred. But million. I don't know what's a lot. <laughs> okay, I yeah, truly don't. Hundred million what is, is a lot. more than sixteen million. How many album? How yeah. how many does it take for an album to go platinum? Million. So that's every album going platinum. That's not like, yeah, that sounds all right. That's fine. Uh, a platinum uh, is uh, yeah a million in the US. So that's yeah, every album that's going plat going platinum. They haven't got hundred albums. No, but that's what I mean. No, so the, he's saying the, his guess. For the, for the 16, oh. everyone, but instead what that actually means is every album has gone like quintuple platinum. Uh, well, more likely a handful of albums have gone dodecahedron <laughs> platinum yep. and, so, and, so, and some have sold like 600,000. Yeah, sure. Yeah, <laughs> probably. Uh, I, don't, I don't, yeah, I don't think there's anything that's sold below half a million in the REM canon. We'll see, won't we? We will see. Are the members of REM still friends? Yes. I think so. That's true. That's true. Um, why did Ram lose her horn? Because bump into other Ram. Uh, it was during an attack orchestrated by the witch cult. Okay. Mm. Who does Subaru end up with? Uh, Impressa. Now, now, what's this? Amelia, about? I think. From what I can work okay. out, it's Amelia. Although Subaru does, I've read, admit that both Amelia and REM are very important. What is okay. this? All right. Yeah. Okay. Uh, what does REM stand for? Uh, human rights. Random <laughs> excess memory. <laughs> it, uh, the, the rapid eye movement is the, the sleep thing. I, yes. I'm pretty sure that they've gone on record and said, well, it's not really that. It's just we, we just want to be called REM. It's not for that the band. We're not called rapid eye movement, right? Yes, in sleep science, rapid eye movement for the band, nothing. Doesn't mean anything. Uh, although I would argue it stands for really excellent music. 
why you, why did no one there take on board the prospect that it stands for random excess memory? I'm not sure. Um, yeah. Maybe because it was before computers were widely available. I think I reckon RAM was still a thing in 1980. This would have been like 79, 78, maybe 80, maybe, yeah. Bet there was some RAM out there. Yeah. Okay. Well, maybe back. In some anyway, lab. Look, the we naming- sent a man to the moon at that point. <laughs> the if they name- believe. Hey? Hey? Is that yeah. what you believe? Uh, God, no, you I actually like Spock. <laughs> the- Sorry. You look so much like Spock. It's How do I look crazy. like Spock? You're wearing blue. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You're wearing blue. That's such an insult got, to my hair. Yeah, you've got a bit of a 60s haircut. That's what it is. Because he's got yeah, such yeah. a straight little... Yeah, Spock doesn't have a 60s like fringe sweep. He's got a straight... Oh, he flat, does, doesn't he? Yeah. Hasn't yeah. he? He's got, he's the got, eyebrows. Like, it's eyebrows the eyebrows. It is the eyebrows. Yeah. Just picture, just picture famous... Or just picture, obviously, you know, when we all picture Spock, just picture Zachary Quinto. Obviously, our, mm. our image of a Spock, you know, is all... Yeah. Obviously we I think Zachary it's the complete Quinto. lack of emotion. <laughs> <laughs> that might be it. Oh look! Anyway, we were talking about we were talking about naming the band and who the band named after and how did they get their band name and when did they form or whatever. We're going to get into that on the net on next week's episode because we're going to talk about how they formed and their early days as a band. But before we completely wrap up this introductory episode, what are you expecting from the season? Um, upbeat, jangly, nice, nostalgia, but. I'm expecting to be surprised and or maybe quite tired by the time we get to album 11. Right, yeah, fair. But that's not that doesn't mean I'm going to give up. <laughs> I should probably point that out. <laughs> Please might, don't. Might I mirror Steve's sentiments entirely, except I am going to give up. Okay, oh. great, great. Yeah, I'm going to give up, I reckon, album three. Okay, cool. Oh, well, only three. Okay, yeah. good. <laughs> right. And I don't mean I feel like I might give up, like it might bore me, as in I'm, I'm promising you now, I'm actively going to try and give up. Right. Okay. Well, good. what do you what do you want to get out of the season rather than what you're expecting? What is like best case scenario here? A best case scenario is like another band comes into my repertoire. Yeah. Like yeah. they become a ba- like Manix. You know, we came into the Manix repertoire. season very similar. Very similar situation. I knew a handful of songs from the '90s, sure. and now they are a band that is like in the mix in my life. We're starting off I'd the same lo- way here. You know a. a handful of songs from the '90s. Yeah, I know. That's what I mean. So yeah. I, I would love there to be another one of them. Lovely. That'd be lovely. great. Wouldn't Steve, that be cool? What do, what do you want to go out of the season? I, I'm excited to um, to really uh, get into REM. <laughs> yeah. Like I had this with Radiohead. It's like this is big, huge catalogue of this gigantic influential band that I should be way more aware of than I am. Um, so, uh, yeah, like it's just exciting for that reason, right? Yeah, absolutely. What about you, Adam? What are you, what are you looking for? What are you looking to get out of this? Apart from finally doing it, so you can finally disappear and so die. Yeah, so yeah. I could finally yeah. die. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, I uh, I'd like to really get into the story. I'm not sure I've done the the full story. I know bits of context around That's each album. Cool. I don't know if I know the full story. I'd like to figure out why they aren't a part of those conversations mm-hmm. about best artists of all time or whatever. I'd like to know why they're a bit forgotten, and I'd like to once and for all find out if they are indeed my favorite band because maybe not. Well, it seems like we're all in search of like, oh, maybe Aria become a big band for me, you know, like yeah. which is quite yeah, nice. Yeah. I think that's quite cool. Um, but to figure out all of that, we shall start on our journey. We've got a good base of knowledge uh, to work to work on from there. Uh, and in front of us, we have fifteen albums, uh, some compilations, some live albums, some live shows to talk about. 
pretty excited to get going actually now that we've done this little introductory thing um and that brings us to the end of another episode but the beginning of another season thank you very much everybody for listening we do hope you'll join us next time our next episode is out next monday and we are going to begin our deep dive by looking at the early days of rem and by exploring their first release uh the chronic town ep so come and join us for that but before you do come and let us know what you think of rem are you already a fan will this be a journey of discovery for you uh or if you already know them how well do you know them what are your favorite albums what are your favorite songs what do you hope we cover come and tell us everything this show works best when it's in direct conversation with all of you that are listening you can find us on twitter instagram and facebook at what is music pod tiktok at what is music uh, and if you'd like to send in something a little bit longer we can read it out on the show you can email us what is music pod at gmail.com and if you liked what you heard here and you thought bloody hell i'd like some bloody more of that one there's five seasons behind you that you can go and listen to. Two, you can head over to our Patreon page where you'll find all kinds of extra podcast shows. There's one where we revisit Manic Street Preachers, which is the first band we cover on the podcast. There's one where we explore all kinds of different artists, genres, and eras to make themed playlists. There's bonus commentaries, there's music discussion episodes, there's ad-free episodes of this show, and a pretty amazing Discord community, and a can of peanut brittle that definitely doesn't have fake snakes in it that will jump out when you open it. Head to patreon.com slash whatismusicpod or you can follow the link in the show notes for up to two podcast episodes every single week. There are also other ways you can support us if you'd like to. You could buy some of our merchandise over at whatismusicpod.redbubble.com or you can send us a little one-off donation over on coffee.com which is ko-fi.com slash whatismusic. Best way to support us is just to continue doing what you're doing right now, which is listening to us. Uh, you can rate the show, subscribe to the show, share it with your friends, all of that stuff that podcasts ask you to do that about does it thanks again for listening see you next week we don't have a sign off it's the end of the episode as we know it I mean that isn't awful and I feel fine Fine. I feel fine 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 Fine. and it's it's let's hope we don't have a bad day (laughs) I mean, you'll probably just stick to the first one.